Have you entered our giveaway with Looking Glass Gems? It is closing soon, so hop to it to our Instagram, at the Pacey Tapes, and enter now. Looking Glass Gems, beautiful, affordable crystal rhinestones. Shop lookingglassgems.com or live and in person at BurleyCon. This episode was brought to you with the support from listeners like you. Special thanks to superfan BFF level supporters Kyle H., the man with the hat, and Violet Passion. To support the Pacey Tapes, to keep this podcast rolling, join the Pacey Tapes fan club, and you can do that now by visiting thepaceytapes.com. If you join the fan club, I will write you a love note, I will shout you out on air, I'll send you a handful of merch, and I will be forever, ever, ever grateful. So special super thanks to Kyle H. and Violet Passion. Oh, hello! This is Blanche Debris, and you're listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pasty Tapes. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, recording live from my closet in Chicago. I want to give a shout out to Vivacious Miss Audacious, who in one of my Instagram ask me anything question thingies um, asked, what's your favorite blanket to record under? And for the record, if I am not in my closet recording, then I'm usually in my living room with a blanket over my head. The blanket that I love the most for recording is a white faux fur throw blanket from Restoration Hardware that I got from my partner's mother when we first moved to Chicago. It is gorgeous. It lives in my living room. It now has a life as my own personal podcast sound booth situation for one. It's really, really warm, and so it's perfect for the winter. Uh, But for now, we are still sitting in my closet, and that's also fine. It's great. Okay, BurleyCon season is upon us, so these next few episodes in the next coming weeks will have something related to BurleyCon, whether it's you know, um, a person who's going to be there or maybe some advice being thrown in. But this is one of my favorite times of the year. I think BurleyCon is where Show My More was truly born or started to hatch. But I went to BurleyCon before I debuted, and it was absolutely life-changing. I love BurleyCon. I think it's wonderful. So these next four weeks, we'll have episodes that feature someone who's going to be attending BurleyCon or maybe some advice. We'll just keep it like burly con related and i'm super super stoked for that no pre-burly con run would be complete without a conversation with this next performer they are someone who i met at burly con in 2017 i think they have an iconic style they have a standout personality they are just a delight to be around i had the honor of hosting them in chicago for about a week uh this past summer we also went on a grand wisconsin weekender uh where We did things like go to a brewery tour, and they went to my partner's childhood home where we had a grill out, and she got to hang out with my partner's mom, and then we went to the Wisconsin State Fair. Overall, great. Very Midwest. There's someone I find so charming and so lovely. This is my conversation with the shimmy and shake from the Aloha State, Miss Catwings. Miss Catwings, we are here in my living room in Chicago with Flanders the Cat walking by your hands. Thank you for being on the PC tapes. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. In in your home. In my home. Literally in my home. (laughs) We're on my couch. It's great. Um, Okay. So, Miss Catwings, tell me, 
What's your burlesque origin story? Okay, so let's see. In 2006, I had a couple of friends that were in a local burlesque troupe that had just started that year. Um, at the time, it was called Cherry Blossom Burlesque, and it was run by um, Lola Love and Megan Mayhem um, in Honolulu. And two of my friends um, that no longer actually do burlesque anymore um, were doing burlesque, and they kept kind of like poking me and being like, you should do this. You should totally do this. It's fun. You should do this. And at the time, I was um, a radio DJ on our local radio station, um, college radio station, and um, I was DJ Catwings <laughs> at that time. <laughs> I was comfortable behind a microphone in on the radio, but I'd never really been on stage before. They're doing like some theater in high school and things like that. And, um, uh, I was just like, no, that's not really for me. I was much more modest than I am now. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, they, they just kept asking me. And then finally, um, my first show that I ever did, I actually didn't really do burlesque, but I emceed and I emceed this end of the year show in what I thought at the time was very scantily clad, but it really wasn't. Um, but it was in lingerie, um, like a bustier and like a skirt type, like lingerie thing yeah. and Frilly fishnets <laughs> and, you know, um, much more naked than I had been ever on a stage. And I emceed and I did a couple of skits and, um, that was that I started doing like group numbers after that. And then it took a full year back then before I ever did my first solo. And even with my first solo, I didn't go down to pasties. Um, why not? At the time I was very modest and I actually, Never say never, right? So at the time, I said to my boyfriend that I would never go down to pasties and a thong because that just wasn't me. And at the time, I just wasn't comfortable with my body. Mm-hmm. And never say never because actually I was like the first person in our troop to go down to like a Merkin mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, never say never. But as my co- body confidence grew you know, I was more comfortable with it. When I first started out, I wasn't. And, um, burlesque gave me more confidence and that's that. Okay. Let's walk back to your name. DJ Catwings. Yeah. So I was DJ Catwings. And then, uh, for burlesque, I was just Catwings. And so we added the miss cause people were just getting confused, like Catwings, like by itself. So then it was like Miss Catwings. And so the Catwings actually comes from my tattoo that's on my back. So I had my tattoo on my back um, when I first started DJing. And I don't remember exactly like how that stuck, but it just stuck. And so I've just been Miss Catwings ever since. <laughs> I love it. That makes sense. <laughs> Seeing your back tattoo, it's like, oh, Catwings. Okay, I get it. <laughs> well, it's funny enough... Um, a lot of times when people meet me first, they never think about why I'm called Miss Catwings. And people have known me like sometimes for years before realizing like that that's where my name comes from. Because it's like 
it's funny, like, they've seen me, like, perform a dozen times on stage, but then, like, and I'm, like, you know, half naked or whatever, and they don't notice my back tattoo until, like, one day they do, two mm-hmm. years later. <laughs> there's a cat with wings. With wings, yeah. Cat wings. Yeah. Wow, so simple and elegant. <laughs> Full package. <laughs> okay, so let's talk more about your journey in burlesque. Um, started in 2006. It took you a year to come up to do your first solo. From there, you know, what I know you as is this person who's really steeped in the burlesque community, really, really involved from, you know, attending Beehoff a bunch of times to being really involved with BurleyCon and involved with Tiki Oasis and all of these things in between. What was that turning point for you? Or like, when did that aha moment come where you realized, okay, cool, this has gone from just being a thing that you're, you and your friends are doing to something that's a major part of your life? Well, um, what did we decide yesterday? That it was... Uh, recession. The recession, which was when... 2008? So 2008. Um, so 2008, uh, the recession was happening. And at the time, I was thinking that, um, oh, like burlesque seems so superfluous. Like there's so many things happening right now. Like that seems very selfish. And then I rethought about it, about like, the recession, recession, like way back. And um, we were actually doing a show at the time called this Bethel Street Bailout Review that kind of gave a nod to that time period. And um, I just thought about how, you know, people do need a form of escape when they're going through rough times and when, um, you know, they, they are they need they need that moment of escape to escape their reality and their things hardships and you know their day and so i thought oh that would be great like i can provide help provide that like escapism and that time um and entertain people and like relieve them of that that moment and like let them be in a moment and enjoy themselves on stage like when i'm on stage that's such a <laughs> generous way to think of it. Was it an escape for you back then? Is it still an escape for you? It was an escape for me at the time. At the time, I think that I was I had a job that I really didn't like. And um, doing burlesque did provide me an escape as well, aside from the audience. So I think that really helped me during that time as well. Um, and then like a couple of years later, I think it seems to be that it was in... 2012, um, Lola Love and I first, we went to our first BurleyCon. Yeah. And uh, we had never been to BurleyCon before and we had heard about it and we decided to go and uh, we stayed off campus. It was when it used to be at the Doubletree Hotel and um, we stayed off like a five or 10 minute bus ride away in some little motel. So uh, we ended up staying with Horchata Dantana and um, Steel Starling. And we didn't know them. Um, they had they were looking for roommates and like we found them. And then we became friends after that. It was really great um, way to start like our 
early con journey. Yeah, like we we went for the first time and like thought to ourselves that like this was a really great thing and we should like tell our community back home about it. And um, you know, we committed to going every year after that. And Lola being Lola, she totally like researched Burley Con and then found out that they were hiring for programming director and other directorships and she applied and then after she got it she encouraged me to volunteer and things like that and you know we've been with BurleyCon ever since right right (laughs) super super involved right Lola being at the top right now Now, executive executive director she was programming director now executive director so it's it's crazy she but just like yeah you along for the ride she kind of did <laughs> <laughs> and then like a couple of years later after 2012 you don't i can't remember when our first one was like 2014 or 2015 i think it was 2014 we went to our first behoff after going to our first behoff we also decided that that was something that we wanted to go to every year. So we committed to doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just like kind of figure out like how you're going to save money and make sure you do this thing that you want to do. So we, we, we continue to do that and we go every year and we've been doing that since too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And obviously this is, I mean, for anyone, right, this is an expensive endeavor, you know, just going and then on top of that and, and having the time and then on top of that flying in from Hawaii being much more expensive than someone flying in from, I don't know, LA or Very something, much so. even Chicago. <laughs> yeah. And so you really, really made this a priority, right? Yes. Uh, definitely made it a priority just because um, like the burlesque scene in Hawaii is very small. It's actually smaller than it used to be in a way. I mean, there was more people now. But it's a lot of newbies. And um, in the past, like years and years ago, we used to do way more shows monthly. And now there's like less shows. Um, but, But I wanted to make that a priority because for me, that's my burlesque community. Like going to BurleyCon, going to Behoff, you know, having reunions with people, meeting people. Um, and then like, you know, whenever I do try to travel somewhere and things like making connections and friends and, you know, like trying to explore like different burlesque scenes, which is really fun and seeing how, you know, essentially like all the little areas around the U S at least, um, you know, have the same like little hometown problems or have like similar things of like venue issues or like, um, you know, seeing how certain types of shows work in certain towns and other ones don't, or like seeing the difference in stage sizes or theaters or bar shows. And it's so interesting. Like I really love burlesque. So traveling is great. (laughs) Yeah. I think of you as a very well-traveled burlesque performer, burlesque persona, a person in our industry, like in my head sometimes, like if I'm curious about a place or something, I know I can hit you up and you'll have like, you know, you'll have something to say about it. And that's been, that's been really helpful. Like you're like, I don't know, a guy Fieri of, of our burlesque <laughs> just going around sampling the country. That's hilarious. Terrible. And it's funny too, because for me, like, I don't think of myself as like 
someone well-known in the burlesque community. You know, I do work for BurleyCon and, like, you know, volunteer my time at BHAF. And, you know, I do, like, say hello to a lot of people. But as far as, like, my status as a burlesque performer, like, I don't really see myself as that. But I think that, like, it's probably because we were talking about before with, like, um, like Lola and I matching. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> so Lola Love and I, um, when we first started going to BurleyCon and Beehoff, we decided that we would commit to wearing matching clothes to uh, make people remember that we were from Hawaii. And initially, we even started, like, wearing, like, rainbow clothes. So that people would think of like rainbows and Hawaii and they would want to come to Hawaii. And so I feel like that's like also like why, like, even though like I may not be as an accomplished performer, like a lot of people know who I am just because of that weird thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would say your personal style and then you paired with Lola made such a big impact on me as a newbie at BurleyCon. <laughs> like, I remember seeing you and I'm like, who's this Asian babe? Also, rose-colored glasses. What's up with that? And then, you know, the next year, you know, you and Lola had incredible matching outfits. Outfits from your clueless look to your goth look. It's great. And I think that that level of personal or paired branding or whatever is so effective because that's how I, you know, got to know you and got intrigued. So I would say for me, at least it's effective. Have you felt like it was effective in terms of getting people to come? Yeah, I feel like we, well, not even like maybe not just even just people coming to Hawaii because coming to Hawaii is expensive and we can't necessarily like afford to bring people out. I think the only real um ones that weren't already coming through Hawaii that we brought out was uh Reagan and Indigo Blue for a show that we did together um but um other than that I think it's been very effective and like you know people knowing to hit us up well not Lola anymore because she's no longer living in Honolulu but to hit us up if they're coming through Honolulu in or like people knowing like oh yeah you're going to go to Hawaii like hit up Lola and cat wings, you know? And so I think it was effective in that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, okay. You mentioned earlier that the scene is still pretty small uh, in Hawaii in terms of like number of shows, but it's gotten bigger in terms of people, more newbies hitting the scene. What's it like being, you know, the veteran performer out there in your state? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I think I, I feel like I perform a lot more outside of my state than I do in my state now. Um, but that's for a multitude of reasons. Um, one being <laughs> for a couple of years, I was just like exhausted in doing shows. So I used to produce, but I don't produce anymore. And that was just because I literally just want to like show up and like don't do anything. So that was like a personal choice. Um, also like for a couple of years, I was like uninspired and I wasn't really creating any new acts. So I started performing less and less, um, inside my state. Um, and then like, I don't know, like a couple of years ago, like two years ago, I think I got like reinvigorated with like wanting to create new acts again and perform. And, um, but I've still just pretty much just like reached out, like whenever I travel versus when I'm back home. Um, and 
that's just like at the moment, just like due to like venue access and like me not wanting to produce a show <laughs> and versus how many shows are available. Right. So, but like, I don't mind, like I enjoy seeing new people, um, in the scene and stuff. Um, and, uh, I, I would teach if I like, I guess had more energy to like, you know, rent a venue to do it. But, um, I haven't had that energy <laughs> to like actively seek students. Although like some people have asked me like, Oh, would you teach like a group class? I was like, totally hit me up. And then like, they never do, hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. It happens. You know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of my key memories of you, one of my first memories of you was at BurleyCon in 2017, my first time going. Uh, I attended the POC caucus. I wasn't planning on going because I was like, mm, some other cool class is happening, or like maybe I'm not POC enough for this. And then I go, and there's a handful of you know other Asian performers. And at the end uh, of the formal programming, formal informal programming of the POC caucus, um, you know, people kind of splintered off and gravitated to whoever they wanted to talk to. And you made a really, really strong effort of gathering the small but mighty number of Asian performers in the room, right? You, I remember you like grabbed my hand and were, you know, made a circle essentially of all of us there. <laughs> and I don't think I was crying at that point, but then I saw you were crying and you said something like, there's so many of us here. There's so many of us. And you were you started crying and then I started crying and now I'm in my living room starting to cry. You're going to make me cry. I know. <laughs> I was just so confused. I was like, you know, there's like eight of us. That's not a lot. Like, what the fuck is she talking about? Does she not know how to count? But then I like <laughs> realized in seeing like the tears in your eyes and with, you know, how Die Lovely was misting up and, you know, other Asian performers in that group were misting up. Eight is a big number. Eight and is a big number. There was something really powerful about that and wow, what a first major impression, you know, to have in my head of you. Um, and so first I want to say thank you. Thank you for making <laughs> me stop and recognize eight is a big number, right? Two is a big number. One is a big number when it comes to representation it is. and that mattering. Um, do you want to share your thoughts on, you know, Asian representation in the burlesque scene? <laughs> yeah, well, like, okay, so from that, first of all, you're making me cry. Yeah, we're um, both tearing so we're up. Crying. My cat is freaking um, out now because we're both crying. <laughs> and um, uh, so let me go back to, like, okay, so the first time, I don't know what year it was. Um, I know that Shanghai Pearl was teaching that year, and Loa de Boom Boom had organized this POC photo, and... Um, funny enough, funny story, um, that she had put it on the schedule or something. And Don Spiro saw that it said POC photo and Paul O'Connor, who, um, his business is called POC photo. He happened to Don saw Paul and was like, Hey, like, I think you're supposed to be in this place taking a photo. Like I saw your name on the schedule. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, and he went over to this room and I just happened to be in this room. Like I wasn't intending, like I didn't, I didn't know that this thing was happening. And, um, I remember like 
Shanghai Pearl being there and a whole bunch of other black performers. And I think like, I feel like our legend that year was Lottie the body. And, um, they were like all gathered. And then, um, Paul comes and he's like, I'm here to take the photo. And Loa the boom, boom, who had organized it literally was just going to like take it with her cell phone. But then Paul showed up and it was just, we had a huge laugh because POC photo for the POC photo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it just kind of stuck after that. But um, so they're like all gathered to take this photo. And I'm like sitting on the sidelines just like watching them. And then they're like, cat wings, come join this photo. And I was like, wait, what? And at that time, <laughs> I just didn't know that I was POC like at all. Like I didn't know really what that meant. And they were like, yeah, like, come join us. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm POC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like a great experience, you know, like first recognizing that I was a person of color. Um, I think coming from Hawaii, first of all, like, I just didn't know the term really that much. And also like, as someone that lives in Hawaii, like, I'm not the minority, Mm-hmm. Like, white people are actually the minority in Hawaii. So, like, it wasn't, like, a thing that was on my radar. But as far as, like, in burlesque, like, you know, like, we had such a small, even a, the amount of people for that POC photo, like, for 2018, I think that photo, like, if you look at the first photo that we took, and then last year's photo, it's grown, like, four times. Right. Or five times as big as the first one that we took. And so, like, that representation, like, really matters. Like, now we have so many different group photos in the POC photo. You know, before that wasn't even really possible. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm getting chills just (laughs) thinking about it. So, you know, at that, that, was it 2017? Yeah, 2017. Yeah. um, You know, I asked everybody at that group all the Asians that if would they be interested in having a group Facebook that connected all of us? Because the thing that I heard the most from that group was that I'm the only Asian person in this community, in my, in my burlesque community back home. And I feel frustrated because I can't talk to other people. Like I have a mentor, but they're not Asian. They're not POC. They don't understand my struggles. And so I asked everyone right then and there, like, would you want this group on Facebook, like, so that we can still connect with one another? And it was like, yes, yes, we want that. So as we started um, doing it, like, more and more people started, you know, um, um, adding themselves and like the word got out in the community and whatnot that we had this group and let me look right now now we have 116 members in the asian burlesque performers and industry group on that's incredible and so that makes me super happy because in a lot of these communities like overseas especially like they're like the only asian person in their community and like other people don't quite understand like what they might go through with certain racism things or like, you know, microaggressions and like, I, I really wanted it to be a place where 
we could like open up and bitch to each other first mm-hmm. before like expressing it like in a in a in a bigger forum on Facebook or like in other social media because I feel like that's like super important like you know let's see what what do we feel about it first before it opens up to everybody else you know like all these different issues yeah yeah absolutely um, so so I'm really like stoked that that's happened and it's grown right and yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I think the you know the thing I'm so grateful like for no I mean I'm so grateful to know you but I'm so so grateful that in 2017 you grabbed my hand and said okay we need to get all the Asians together right in this room while we're all here like let's do that yeah and then you know from there like you I feel like you've always been this way but you know it became very clear you know after that moment your commitment to community right building this Facebook group at Behoff you know taking the time to find people to go to dim sum with us and you know after the pool party like finding all the asians like to take photos and everything and i'm just so grateful and i think with my like burlesque story you know the first performer that i'd ever seen was katana louise Mm -hmm. one of one of the first and so i'm very lucky in that sense that i got exposed to an asian performer a filipino performer right away but meeting you and these efforts that you've put out in the burlesque world, like really helped me see how important representation is and that we exist. And like, let's not discount the fact that we exist. So thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, like 116 people in the entire burlesque world, isn't a lot. (laughs) And so, like, I feel like, yeah, connect, like, and there's still more, you know what I mean? Like, there's still more that aren't a part of the group. Um, the way that we've made it, too, is that you can only, like, really add yourself. You can't add somebody else. We don't like to do that because, for whatever reason, sometimes people don't like to associate themselves that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we just reach out to um, people and ask them if they would like to be added and, you know, now, um, myself and Toss and Calamity, um, manage the group so that it's not like one-sided mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we try to make sure that like we're protecting the community by keeping people that shouldn't belong in the group, like, you know, in the group. Cause we've had a couple of like burlesque enthusiasts try to join the group, oh. but they have nothing to do with burlesque. Right. Um, it's what, like, we have it for burlesque and industry. So if it's like sound people or costume people, like we'll add them. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like a audience member, we won't do that. You know? Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right, Cat Wings, let's, let's close out on your journalism background. You have a background in journalism. You've worked for a weekly newspaper. You've worked in radio. You're also hella organized on top of that. <laughs> um, and you offer this really great workshop that I've taken at BurleyCon. Um, I took it again this weekend while you were teaching at the Chicago Academy of Burlesque called Press Kit Like a Pro. What? Exclamation point. Sorry. Okay, let's no. redo that. <laughs> Press Kit Like a Pro. Exclamation point. I just did a freeze frame pose in my living room, just so you know, listeners. Um, 
Talk to us about that class. What's, I guess, or what's one thing you want people to know? Uh, give us a helpful hint. So first of all, the reason that I teach Prescott like a pro and wanted to get that information out into the world is because there's so many people that when they travel or um, uh, when they are promoting their shows, they are reinventing the wheel all the time and they don't have their information, even though they just act all the time and they take a week to get back to a producer, even though again, they've done this act like a million times. That's me. And, <laughs> and there's no shame, but you know, there's no reason that you have to reinvent the wheel every single time you get hired for a gig or promoting your show or things like that. Like there are ways to do this. And um, number one, you can either take my class, press kit like a pro. Uh, I'm going to try to find a way soon to make it available online as an online class. If you can't come see me in person, I am teaching at BurleyCon this year, 2019. Um, if you happen to be there, but, um, otherwise, um, you can also hire me, uh, and, uh, you can hire me to make your general press kit, or you can hire me to make a generic press release and then you can follow my format after that or also continue to just hire me. But um, you can always find me on uh, www.misscatwings.com to get in touch with me. And I'm Miss Catwings on Facebook and Instagram as well. So those are also avenues of getting in touch with me. And um, it's very affordable. And um, yeah. Hire me. <laughs> Do it. Okay. Miss Catwings, thank you so much for being a part of such a fun weekend with me here in Chicago and in Wisconsin. I'm so glad to have been able to spend time with you. And thank you for chatting with me on the pasty tapes. The pasty tapes. On the pasty tapes. The pasty tapes. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's go get dinner. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much, Miss Catwings, for having this conversation with me. I can't believe that, like, she was at my house, like, two months ago. I feel like it was just yesterday. Time has been really fucked up for me recently. Um, but it was a delight. Total delight. Would absolutely have you back in my apartment again, on the show again. I adore you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Pasty Tapes. Special thanks to superfan BFF level supporters Kyle H., The Man with a Hat, and Violet Passion. I also want to give a shout out to our friend level supporters Kits and Sass, Tony Tabasco, Rosalie Bloom, and Fufu Kaboom. If you want to support The Pasty Tapes, visit thepastytapes.com and join the fan club now. And finally, my undying love goes to Blanche Debris for recording the intro and outro that you've been listening to these past few episodes. Blanche and I will be performing together in Minneapolis in mid-November, and right now we are just continually geeking out at the fact that we'll be seeing each other, and okay, picture this. I feel like my interactions with Blanche Debris are like sparkly emojis and heart emojis and heart eyes emojis, like personified. I'll see you soon, Blanche. You can leave a message or send a text to the Pasty Tapes hotline, and that's 1-530-PASTIES, or you can send an email to thepastytapes at gmail.com. You can follow the Pasty Tapes across the internet at thepastytapes on Instagram and Twitter and other places, I'm sure. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, and you can find me at Show My More across the internet. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the PC Tapes, and I will talk with you soon. You have been listening to the Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. This is Blanche Debris saying thanks for listening, and see you later, ducklings. You can catch me performing across the Midwest this winter, but you can especially find me at BurleyCon. I will be teaching my workshop, Cooler on the Internet, and I'll even be leading a Burley lab called Social Media in Your Sleep. If you want to learn how to have some internet fun with me, find me at BurleyCon. If you're not going to be there, feel free to send me a love note, and let's talk about other ways that you can learn. Some other cool things coming out. I have a new one-inch enamel pin designed by Blue's Chicken that should be here soon, available for pre-order. If you want to have a fat babe body pinned on ya, if you want to have my fat babe body pinned on ya, check out my Instagram. You can see the illustration and let me know if this is something you want to pre-order. Happy to hand it over to you at BurleyCon or mail you something with a love note. Okay, until next week. Talk to you later.